everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome to the first episode of Season 2. If you're brand new, I am so excited you're here. And if you've been with me for a while, welcome back. This is going to be an extraordinary season. First things first, we have a change, and that is instead of one time a week, we'll be meeting three times a week. On Mondays, I'll be sharing a short devotional and let you know who our special guest will be for the week. Then on Wednesday and Friday, you can look forward to hope-filled, encouraging conversations with men and women who have overcome challenges and become a catalyst for change. This week, my special guests are Candace Payne and Holly Gerth. Candace and I talk about what it looks like to fight for joy. Many of you know her as Chewbacca Mom, and we love her, but she's also a prolific author with several books that encourage us to stand firm in our relationship with God and to live and walk in joy. Then on Friday, I sit down with Holly Gerth. We discuss her brand new book, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts. So we have opposite ends of the spectrum here in Candace and Holly, and yet they both disclose seasons that they walk through depression and anxiety and how the power of Scripture and knowing who they are in Christ help them to overcome and to make their life matter for the kingdom. Holly also talks about how we can understand each other better no matter where we are on the spectrum of introverts or extroverts and love each other well. Well, in the month of January, I'm going to be looking at scriptures that talk about desert experiences. And I know at first you're like, ugh, I don't want to hear about deserts. We've already been through a desert that was called 2020. I understand that. I've been walking through it with you. But listen, guys, we're going to learn how we can move from desert to destiny. Some of us feel like we've been in a desert season. Well, what is a desert? It's dry. It's barren. It's lonely. But all throughout Scripture, God shows us that He uses deserts as preparation for destiny. We experience temptation in the desert that threaten to derail our destiny. And I want to talk about that today. We're going to look at the life of Jesus. He's such an example for us in every way. And when He Himself experienced a desert season in Luke 4, we'll look at that temptation. We'll also look at 1 John chapter 2, which shows us some of the same areas that we are tempted with today. Because if we recognize our temptation and we realize how we are tempted, then we can resist that temptation through Scripture and we can fully realize the destiny that God has for us. We're also going to look at Mark chapter 4, where Jesus taught about the parable of the sower and the seed and how easy it is to let our destiny get choked out by the worries and cares of life. Also this month, we'll look at the life of Elijah, the life of David, and the life of Ruth, and what they have to teach us about moving from a desert to destiny. What I want you to take away from today is this. Deserts are testing places that propel us into destiny when we choose obedience. 
we can recognize and understand the ways we are tempted individually. We can resist it through scripture and we can realize God is propelling us into destiny. And that helps us to reframe whatever desert experience or season we feel like we're walking through. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical or emotional. Or perhaps it's all of the above coming off of such a difficult year. But God has destiny purposed for you. And nothing is going to stand in the way of that destiny when we choose obedience. Let's look first at Luke chapter 4. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. You know, right away, guys, I'm intrigued by the fact that it says the Spirit led him into the desert. This was what God intended to happen, his Father. And you know, I just came off of a 21-day prayer and fasting season for our church and he is fasting for 40 days in the desert. I've been in these these regions around Jordan and in Jericho where it was just brutally hot and I cannot imagine what it must have been like for him to go 40 days without eating in that brutal heat. But guys, he did it for us. It was necessary for him to overcome temptation. So he could be the sacrifice for our sin. That gives us so much encouragement and hope that we are not left helpless when we're tempted. That we have a Savior who loves us, who advocates for us, and who died so that we can be free to be all that he's called us to be and walk in destiny. So let's keep reading. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And we already know that he was hungry. It says right above that, at the end of these 40 days, he was hungry. This would have been a real temptation. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Here it is. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Second temptation. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Third temptation. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So let's unpack these three temptations for a minute and how this applies to us. First, he was tempted in the area of his appetite. If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to turn to bread. And aren't we tempted the same way through our appetite? And I don't just mean physically. Maybe you have a complete handle on your physical appetite. I know I don't always have a handle on it, which is why I needed to take that time and fast and get my body back under submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to fast and to pray and to make sure that our appetites 
don't have control of us, but it can be an appetite for just more, that we're never content, that we always have to have more. And that is a temptation of the enemy to be discontent with what the Lord has given us. Well, how does Jesus respond? He says three very key words for us. It is written. We have to know what is written in Scripture. It's important for me as an author, as a Bible teacher, to help women and men ground themselves in the Word instead of the narrative of the world. The world is screaming right now. There are so many narratives coming at us, and we have to know what is written so that we know how to respond not only not only to the needs of the world but even ourselves to respond to temptation because listen the enemy never stops tempting us so know what is written but what does the second temptation show us it says the enemy offered him the kingdoms of the world that represents authority what do we worship he says i will give you all of this all you need to do is worship me. See, we were created to worship. As a worship pastor for many years, I understand profoundly the powerful impact that worship has on our lives. And I don't just mean singing on a Sunday morning, although that's a part of it. I mean, how are we worshiping with our lives? What are we choosing to give first place in our life? We will worship something. And then finally, the enemy tempted him in the area of attention. Man's applause, throw yourself down, command the angels to come and rescue him. But there was a deeper, more sinister message in that temptation even than that. The enemy was trying to get him to avoid the sufferings of the cross because he knew it was coming. The enemy knew that if he could get Jesus to avoid the pain and the agony that would be the crucifixion, then we would not have the redemption from sin. We would not have freedom and we would not have a place to go to unburden our hearts from temptation. We would be derailed by the the cares of this world and by everything that tries to weigh on us and we would not fulfill the destiny. There would be no hope. And so that was such a critical piece of Jesus overcoming in the desert. You know, maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I just can't control my temptations, but that's just not true. Not only do we have the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us and enables us and equips us and empowers us and guides us into all truth, but the book of James says in chapter 1 that we are tempted by our own desires and that they drag us away, that when we are enticed by them, we are deceived by them, then that gives birth to sin. When we're able to recognize temptation, then we're able to resist it and not allow it to drag us into a situation that eventually will lead to spiritual, emotional, relational death. That's what James tells us. So can't you see the power of that desert that Jesus went through? I know we don't like deserts. They're dry. They're barren. They're lonely. They're painful. They feel like nothing is happening there. You may think, I'm in a desert and nothing grows in the desert. But that's not true. You grow in the desert. You are growing in the desert. And maybe you just so quickly want to be able to get rid of this suffering that so many of us are experiencing, this shared suffering that we have all walked through. And I can completely relate. In addition to 2020 and COVID and 
civil unrest and all that we have all been through as a, as a nation together. I was in a terrible car accident and just last week I had a doctor finally close the chapter after two surgeries on my hands and have to dictate the notes that said I had permanent damage. Those words just kind of hung in the air somewhere between medical jargon and I'm so sorry that I can't get this better than this. Now, we all know God has the final say and I'm believing for complete healing in my hands. But I also know that suffering shouldn't surprise us. It should refine us. We aren't going to escape the suffering of life. Don't believe the enemy when he lies to you and says, hey, listen, just do this and you could avoid suffering. Suffering has purpose when we choose to allow it to. And I can reframe what I've been through to say, listen, this is not permanent damage. This is just temporary damage because one day I'll see Jesus face to face. And all of this, all of this will make sense and it won't even matter anymore because we'll be in his presence. So don't let the enemy trick you into believing that somehow he has the shortcut to suffering. It will actually rob you of your destiny. I love what it says in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. That's easy to say and not so easy to do, isn't it? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, here we go, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I love that. Listen, this is going to pass away. This is not all there is. But if we can keep our eyes fixed on eternity, then we'll see the purpose. You know, John shares right there some of the same exact temptations that we face, that Jesus faced. And he said, don't lose your destiny because of a desert experience that threatens to derail you. Does Jesus mean and does God mean in scripture we shouldn't love the people in the world? Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. Love your neighbor. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He doesn't want anyone to go into eternity without knowing the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So obviously, John doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean don't love the people in the world. Well, then what does he mean? He means don't get caught up in all this world has to offer and get sucked in and then lose your destiny in eternity or your purpose here on life of what God has for you. John says, listen, we are drawn away, just like James says, by the craving of sinful man. What is that again? Our appetite. What are we craving? You know, the Israelites lost the promised land because they craved the food that they had in Egypt. They craved other things. And there's a passage there that talks about the graves of craving. Listen, we don't want to fall into the grave of craving because we're dissatisfied with what God has given us and the season that we are in. John also mentions the lust of the eyes. That's what he sees. Remember that the enemy brought him up and said, look at all of these kingdoms. Look at what you see in front of you. I can give you all of it, all of it, 
This can be the wealth. This can be whatever we see in front of us. It can just be what we choose to worship more than we worship God. And then John says, we are tempted by the boasting of what we have and by what we do. You know, for many years I found my identity in what I did for Christ. And I call myself kindly a recovering perfectionist. I'm an Enneagram One. And Holly and I actually talk about it on Friday. And just like Candace and I discussed, I had to fight for joy. My first Bible study, Finding Joy, helps us to know how to look through the lens of God's perspective and love the life we see. You know, we want to love the life we see, but so often we tether our joy to things that we could lose in a heartbeat. And God says, I need to be your source, capital S, of joy, of your identity. Don't find your worth and your value in other things. Any of those things can be gone, and we we can see that just by the year we've come through in 2020. There's nothing wrong with having things. It says the love of money is the root of evil, not money itself. There's nothing wrong with having blessings, having favor over your life. We want the favor of God over our life, but it's the boasting of it. It's the elevation of ourself. It's the lack of humility. It's the finding our identity in things, in accomplishments, rather than in the goodness and faithfulness of God. So if we understand the way we are tempted, maybe you're listening and saying, well, I can understand right now I'm I'm definitely tempted in the area of what I crave of my appetite. Or no, maybe it's that I'm so easily drawn away to worship other things other than God. And, and the, the, I, I'm distracted by what I see right in front of me. I, I mean well and I get my Bible out and I'm going to have my quiet time and then I just... I get on my emails or I check my phone or I'm distracted. That's the lust of the eyes. Put those things aside. Focus in on what God wants to say to you in his heart for you. Or maybe you're saying, yes, you know what? I relate to that, Angela. I have found my identity in things or people or my accomplishments, and I want to reground my worth in Christ. If we understand the way in which we are tempted, then we can recognize it. We can resist it. That is the beauty of a desert season. Jesus was able to come face to face with the three areas of temptation that he knew we were going to struggle with even today in 2021. And he said, I am going to have victory over these areas so that my children will have victory over these areas. Every man, every woman who is listening to me, you can be an overcomer today. Whatever desert season you feel like you are in, there is value and purpose in it if you choose obedience. Because listen, deserts are testing seasons. They are testing places, but they propel us into our destiny when we choose obedient. Finally, I want us to look at a parable that Jesus shared in Mark chapter 4. Some of you may know this as the parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, they got into a boat and he sat, sat in it out in the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. I just have to say that I was in Israel and I sat under this huge beautiful tree right at the water's edge and I just imagined Jesus sitting there in that boat looking at the people encouraging them and I know we can't sit with him literally face to face but listen guys he is sitting with you today he is sitting with you in your desert season 
He is he is fighting for you and he wants you to move and operate fully in his destiny that he created for you. And he's teaching us through his word just as he was teaching them. And he said this, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And of course, many of them would have been farmers and they would have understood this parable immediately. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus explained the parable. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others asked him about the parable, and he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and never hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn away and be forgiven. Aren't you encouraged today to know that we all have access to the forgiveness that Jesus has given us? We have access to grounding our worth in his word instead of the narrative of the world. So then Jesus said this, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Hmm. It just shows us right there that as Jesus was describing the parable, he said that as the farmer scattered the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly. But because the soil was shallow, that when the plants came up, they were scorched and they withered. Listen, God is calling us in this season to go deep in the things of him. We're not going to make it anymore, guys, with our shallow understanding of the Word of God, especially in a desert season. 2020 was so painfully difficult, and God is calling us up out of shallow places and into deep relationship with Him. That isn't something to be intimidated by. That is something to be encouraged by, to know that as we ground ourselves in the Word, we dig in, we know what it says, that is adding more soil into our life. Secondly, he went on to say in his explanation, Others are like seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. I don't know if you're like me, but this reminds me of those times that I have sat through Sunday services. I have even taken the notes or maybe you're watching online. And then a day later, I can't even remember what I read. And part of that is because we are so inundated with information. Guys, we have to really meditate and chew on the word of God so that it can find root and maybe we receive it with joy but then it it just passes away because we're not hanging on to it it lasts only a short time verse 17 tells us why it doesn't last it says because they have no root we have no root if we're not grounded in the word of God go deep guys this year in the word of God And then it says, when trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
I'm just wondering how many of us have struggled this last year with persecution or with anxiety when trouble comes. We're questioning, we're wondering, we're, we're, we don't understand why we find ourselves in a desert season. We don't want that to rob us of the Word of God finding its place in our heart and in our life. Jesus went on to say, Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Maybe you heard the pages turning of my Bible. I'm still a paper Bible girl, and I love the pages of Scripture in my fingers. More than that, I love the pages of Scripture in my heart, and I want you to experience the fullness of God's presence through His Word in your heart. So that verse tells us that the thorns come in. We hear the word, well, what are the thorns? They're the worries of this life. They're the deceitfulness of wealth. We've already talked about that a little bit. And they're the desires for other things. See, here we go again with what tempts us. Worries. Maybe if I just have this, I won't have to be plagued by worry or anxiety. Or we just begin to desire other things more than we desire the kingdom of God and His presence in our lives. And it says that that chokes the word and it makes it unfruitful. I've been studying John 15 in Jody Dietrich's book and Bible study, The Settled Soul. You'll hear from her later this month. And it's a whole study on John 15, which says, If you remain in me and I remain in you, then you will bear much fruit. See, the point is God wants us to bear fruit because this is not all there is. He wants our life to matter for the kingdom. So we don't want to be unfruitful. We want to see the presence and the power of God evident in our lives. Finally, he said, others are like the seed sown on good soil. That's a soil of our heart that's tendered. It's not a heart that's that's weighed down by unforgiveness or bitterness. It's a heart that's tender and, and has had maintenance to say, God, have your way in my heart and in my mind. And we accept the word, we hear the word, and it produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. How many of you would like to receive a crop 100 times of what was sown? Listen, God knows when we are experiencing the desert seasons of life. He knows when our worries are threatening to choke out the word and making it unfruitful. But if we will stay grounded in Him... If you will say, listen, God, I'm trusting you right now. I'm trusting you in this desert season. That on the other side of this desert season is destiny. So let me leave you with some of our takeaways. Deserts are testing places that propel us into destiny when we choose obedience. So just ask God, God, is there any area where I'm struggling in obedience We recognize and understand the way that we are tempted. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Then we can resist it through temptation. We don't have to let even a desert experience derail us. And finally, then we can realize God is propelling us into destiny. 
He has destiny for you in 2021. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know exactly how he wants to use you, but I know he does want to use you. I know he wants your life to produce much fruit. I know he has great plans for you. So I want to pray for you as we close today, and that's what I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, I thank you that even in our desert places, you are propelling us into destiny. I pray for anyone who is struggling right now. They're struggling either with an area of temptation, maybe what they're seeing or what they've tethered their identity to, or God, they're just feeling so discontent or they're feeling bruised by disappointment. God, I thank you for meeting us in those tender places. I thank you for recalibrating our hearts once again in your presence, aligning our mind, our heart, our will with your word. I pray that your word speaks louder than any other voice that's trying to push through. I pray that any area the enemy is trying to get us to avoid suffering, maybe to shortcut it through self-medicating or, or avoidance, whatever it might be, God, that we would push our pain into the heart of Jesus and to know that you love us, that you accept us, that you want us, that you have plans and purposes for us. I pray that you help us to recognize the way that we are tempted, that you help us to resist it through your word and through your presence and through your power, and to realize how you are propelling us into destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.